Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhary. I can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 166, we have a special guest, Philip Newberry. So in this episode, we'll discuss with you, Philip, the topic of how disability and drug addiction shouldn't stop you and you should move forward. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, Philip. Thank you so much for joining me in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it, man. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, doing absolutely great and super excited to have a conversation with you. And yeah, it'll be like interesting to talk about like your journey, how you overcame the obstacle you had to go through and being the man you are right now and inspiring people with your motivational speaking throughout the world. So yeah, I'd love to know your journey, like where all beginning and how you got everything started. How did you choose like being a motivational speaker? So uh, really, like you said, starting at the very beginning. Um, so my parents were actually missionaries in Brazil, um, mm. and that's where I was born. And um, and so we came back here to the States when I was uh, about two years old, um, and I got really sick. Uh, I got so sick that I was diagnosed with spinal meningitis. Um, and the doctors said that, that they'd never seen a child as, as sick as I was that recovered. Yeah. And uh, it was on Easter Sunday morning in 1986 that I was two years old and the doctors told my parents that I was going to die that day. Um, obviously, through, you know, much prayer and God's plan, I didn't. Um, they did have to amputate my arm, my right arm at the forearm, my left arm at the elbow and both my legs just below the knees. Um, and so I, uh, I really, though, growing up was just like any other kid, you know, I, 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 I didn't let it stop me. I didn't let it stand in my way. The fact that I was different and I never really viewed myself as being handicapped, if you will. Um, in fact, I was probably close to 10 years old before I actually kind of made the real connection. Like, Oh, that's, that's what makes me different, you know? Mm. Um, and so, you know, but I mean, playing sports, um, you know, I, I played soccer growing up. Um, in fact, because I wear prosthetic legs, funny story, Sometimes I would kick the ball so hard that my leg would fly off. So you can imagine a bunch of 10-year-olds running around the soccer field and one of the guys kicks his leg off. You know, everybody just freezes up real quick, you know. My yeah. team, we call, it, we call that goal time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, and then I, uh, I learned how to play the drums. I put sweatbands on my arms and, uh, and just play the drums, you know. Um, but the most difficult challenge in my life, though, was not what you think it is. You know, when people look at me, they see that, you know, I'm missing limbs. And so they think that that's the most difficult thing that I've had to overcome in my life, but it's actually not. Um, addiction to dr drugs and alcohol has been the most difficult thing. Um, so on March 4th, 2004, uh, my sister and two of my nephews were killed in a car accident. My sister was 33. My sister was 33 and my nephews were 10 and six years old. Um, it really hit me hard. Um, it was, I, I didn't know how to handle it. And so what made was me feel better- Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, my sister, you know, <laughs> and yeah, then two yeah. of my nephews, you know, that you're, you know, obviously it can, uh, you know, it can be devastating. And so yeah. I, uh, I, I discovered that alcohol made me feel better. At least that's what I thought. Um, and so I started drinking heavily. I went for probably a span of a month to six weeks where I was sober for less than four hours a day. Mm. Um, I mean, it was just constant. Um, and then pretty soon, that wasn't the only thing, you know, um, and so I started, uh, pretty soon it wasn't enough. So I started using drugs as well. Started mixing the drugs and the alcohol, very dangerous combinations there. 
Um, I mean, really, all of my money and all of my time at that at, at that stage in my life was either going into a bottle or going up my nose. That's it. That, that's what that's what everything what my life was consumed with. And that was my idea of having a good time. That was my idea of fun was was drinking and doing drugs. Um, How long you been addicted for? Excuse me. How long you been addicted? To um, so books? really, really, Philip the addict was yeah. born was born in two thousand four. Yeah. You know, I mean, the foundations had been kind of laid before that, but yeah. really, Philip the addict that that that's when when I truly just boom hit the gas. Mm. You know, um, and there was no ramp up period. It was just cannonball right into the deep end. Um, and really, the best way to explain my life then was I was a runaway train, and man, I couldn't even see the tracks. Um, so eventually I slowed down somewhat, you know, to where I was only drinking, but it was all the time, man. I'm talking morning, noon, and night. Um, it was, it was all the time. I was finding every excuse that I could to drink. And then it got to the point where it was affecting my marriage. Um, I was hiding, hiding, you know, alcohol stashing it all over the house. Yeah. I was, um, you know, rotating my hiding spots, you know, so that, so that she wouldn't find it. Remembering what spots I used last week. So I could not use that again for another couple of weeks. I'm talking like, like really some extensive planning was going on in my head. Looking back at it, I'm like, man, I wasted a lot of time and energy just to support yeah just to support my habit you know um and so finally my wife just you know she would find it and be like what is this and i'm like uh well so finally she said look you know what it's either that or me and so i chose her she said you got to go to counseling and i'm like man that's not gonna work you know until it did um and and really it was god opening my eyes to make me realize that the thing that had helped me in my life to overcome the obstacles the physical obstacles and figuring out how to do things on my own was what kind of worked against me in addiction because I thought I could beat it on my own. And he really opened my eyes and made me realize that, that I, I need him to beat it, that the devil is going to attack me, whatever, in any way that he can. And so that I need Jesus Christ to, to help to beat it. You know, um, yeah. thank, thankfully I've been sober since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been like a 10 years or so, like he was around 10, 12, 12 years, like in addiction case, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. It was in yep. a long moment of your life. So moving forward, like from 2016, even sober, like you never touched alcohol or like uh, take any kind of drugs, right? Uh, no, no. Now, really, I got sober, quote, you know, you can see the air quotes there, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sober since about 2013, 2014, around that time. Um, and then, the, and then there was, there was a couple, a few relapses in there, you know, yeah. where, you know, I mean, I would go three or four or five months, you know, yeah. um, during that time frame, we moved from Austin, Texas to Dallas, Texas, you know, and I, it, it really, I mean, I had a fresh mindset. I was like, Hey, new place, new me, you know, I'm not going to be that person anymore. And then about three or four months later, all of a sudden I'm using again, you know? And so there, there were some relapses in there, you know, and, and those, those were very difficult to get around, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but 2016 is when, um, I have not, I've not touched anything since then. Yeah. So when, when you decided like, is enough is enough. I had done with it and I need to like focus on my life and improve it better. So when, when you actually came up with it, like, this is the day I need to stop. How did it actually happen? Is it like a three-year wife you said, or like yourself? That you um, so my, my, I mean, honestly, my wife presented me with an ultimatum. She said, either you're going to get help, you're going to stop and you're going to get help or I'm leaving. Yeah. And, and and this marriage is done and 
you know, and, and at first I'm like, ah, whatever. Cause uh, to be honest with you, you should threaten that, if, you know, some other times I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know. I'll cut back. I'll cut back. Finally, this time though, it was that you have to stop. And so I, and I did, but she said also that I had to get help this time, which any of the other times I had weaseled my way out of getting help. And, um, but getting help is what, what really was, was what kind of pushed it over the edge for me after I actually got the help. You know, um, one of the things that I, that I say that in recovery, you learn is that, that until your desire to get better is greater than your desire to use, then you're never going to get better until that desire is greater, you know? And so, I mean, part of that I, I attribute also to my age, you know, you know, get older, you get, you know, you mature some, but a lot of it really, I, I have to have my wife and God to think for it because God told her, Hey, you know what? That's it. This is done. Like yeah. you need to, you need to give him this ultimatum because that's the only way it's going to work, you know? Um, and so that's what, that's what happened, you know? So um, she gave him the yeah. ultimatum and, and I, luckily I chose the right thing. And I say, luckily, you know, God, God, God knew what he was doing. He had his hand in all of that. Definitely. is the best position ever. So moving forward, like uh, that your wife actually helped you out that you said like, yeah, let's get to it. And so what was your mindset like during the time? Obviously any kind of addiction is not easy. Like uh, unless if someone addicted to something, they wouldn't know like how, you can get so addicted to something and losing it. It, it. It's not easy process. During the process, how's your like a process like? How did you stay in that track? I know, like you mentioned, there was like a free relapse between 2013, 14 time until like 2016. You totally stopped it. So, how's the process like? So, if you'd like to share with the audiences. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, really, when it comes to when it comes to addiction, you know, it, it's it's you got to throw all logic out the window because, you know, yeah. nothing that is logical, you know, I mean, addiction is not logical, you know, I mean, it's, it's using when, you know, you shouldn't, it's using whenever, you know, when it's saying you've told yourself or you've told others, I'm not going to do this. And then you do it. There's, there's a complete irrationality to it. And so that's one of the first things that at least people that are, that are, that have that are you know, close with addicts, you know, you have to throw any of the, you have to throw all, all rationale, all logic out the window because it, it's, it's purely acting illogically, you know, yeah. because it, it's a, it's, it's just, it's a desire to, I mean, just a desire to use desire to get high, you know? And so until you get, like I was saying earlier, until your, your desire to get better is greater than your desire to get high, then you're never going to get better, you know, and you can't get better for somebody else. You can't get better for this and that you have to, it, it has to be God working in your life and it has to be for you. You know, um, that's, that's one of the main things that, that, that my wife finally understood. And, you know, of course, hearing about it after the fact, you know, number one, it, it, it pains me. It really does that, that I put her through that, you know? Um, I mean, she said that, you know, she would pray to God to just to fix me, just, mm. just fix him, you know? Um, and, and that's what, that's what had to happen, you know, um, was that he just had to, he had to intervene and he had to fix me. Yeah. Yeah. So, for understanding like where you're coming from, like uh, your wife had like a great, greater uh, like uh, partnership with you in terms of like for your recovery. She was there for along the way, like when you needed support and help. Uh, alongside with your wife, did you get any kind of other help, like from like a professional help to get your getting out of that addiction? Yes, yes. I mean, I started seeing a therapist. Okay. Uh, I still, I still see the same therapist to this day. You know, you know, mm. I still. You know, it's 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 funny because you know I say that you know we, yeah yeah you know I told her and I did you know this isn't gonna work like man they, like I, I whatever 
And so, and I've told my therapist this too, that I first started going to see him knowing it's not going to work. I mean, in my mind, I had already made the decision. This is not going to work. I'm just doing yeah. this to, to appease her so that she'll get off my back. If I do this for a couple of months, she'll, it'll be done. And that's exactly the approach that I had with it. And then all of a sudden it did start working, you know, then all of a sudden I, my eyes started, God started opening my eyes to, Hey, you know what, this, this was, this is not the way that you should be acting. This is not the things that you should be doing. You shouldn't even be pretending to go to this, this therapist, you know, just for, just for her, you know, you need to do this for you because until you get better, I'm not going to be able to use you. And so coming to those, to that realization, you know, is really, is really what kind of put, put me over the top. That's what really made me want to stay sober and not just be sober for a little while. You know, maybe want to stay sober yeah. and, and, and stay clean. Yeah, a lot of people like go through like addiction and they don't actually get professional help. They proper shaved of themselves. They know what to do. Like they wouldn't ask for a help. So how important do you think like getting your help uh, actually helps, you know, to like be accountable for or something, right? Well, you know, it, it really, it makes a big difference. It does, you know, because it's someone, you know, it's confidential help. But it, it's something that, you know, you can you can make yourself vulnerable, you know, mm. you can you can. And this is somebody that's not going to judge you. You know, it's, it's somebody that's not going to it's not going to go tell my wife that, you know, that, you know, all these other times that that I told her I was doing this and not and, and, and then I was going to use or how much of a desire I had to use the other day, you know, and 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 I and I didn't or or even, you know, in the times that you do relapse, you know, it's somebody that you can you can actually. I mean, having a therapist and having somebody to talk to is somebody that's not going to judge you, but they're not there all the time either. You know, they're, it's yeah. not somebody that can necessarily hold it against you later, you know? Um, and so being open with your spouse is one thing, but being open with a therapist, it's a, it's more of an advice type thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you know, it's, it's an open up more, isn't it? Like exactly. Things you can say, like, even though you're going through like a problem in your family, like with your wife, you can share that with your wife. Then having a, like a therapist is like a kind of friend to you. At the same time, exactly. you can like a good advice and it's not going to be shared with other people because it's confidential, right? Right. That's correct. That's exactly yeah. it. And and it's not going to be something that, that might hurt their feelings. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to hurt their spouse's feelings, really, right? I mean, but it's something that, you know, like, yeah, whatever it is that, you know, you did this thing. My wife did this thing the other day that really, oh, it just really got to me. And, it made, and, and you know, it was a trigger for me and I wanted to use well, you tell your, you know, you tell your spouse that they, 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 they get defensive. They may, you know, I mean, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to put them on that, you know, you don't want to yeah. put that on them, I should say. Um, and so having, having somebody else, a neutral third party that's confidential, it, you know, it, it really makes a difference, you know? So whether that be a sponsor, a therapist, whatever it is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I always say that if you don't get help for it and you think you can beat it by yourself, you're going to fail. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's great. And I, I like the fact like you are not victimizing your situation, right? A lot of people, they, they, they complain, why me, God, why this thing happened to me? Like they would give up with their life. And I know like the only way you went to like the addiction, which is like losing your nephew and your sister, nothing to do with you losing your arm or legs because you carried on with your life, you got married and everything was smooth but a lot of people with your situation they wouldn't do that they probably get victimized they complain every single day like they wouldn't get a job they wouldn't do something like what you're actually doing right now inspiring people with the motivation speaking and everything so coming from like uh, whatever happened to you how do you stay positive in your situation and like you keep moving forward you're doing so many things at the same time 
Well, you know, uh, it's a it's a good point that you make because it's funny. I I never really viewed myself as being. I never had the. I mean, I'm, just to be perfectly honest, I've I've never had the the thought of oh why mm. me? What why why did why did this happen to me? Whether that be the the addiction, whether that be the amputations, you know, any of that stuff, you know, uh, it's it's never been a, a a at least my mindset has never been a why me. It's a I what can we do to make the most out of this, you know, and that's just that's just a, it's a natural mindset for me to be honest with you, and you know it's hard to it's hard to explain, and you know I know that it sometimes it sounds kind of corny and it sounds you know goofy and cliche, but uh, it really is. I mean I I'm, I my outlook is that if you sit around and mope around about something and complain about it, is that going to change anything? Well, if the answer is no, then why waste your time doing it? Yeah. You know, you have to, we have to work on the things that you can control. Once again, something else you learn in recovery, you have to live life on life's terms. And so once you get to that point and, and once you, and no matter what the situation is, you know, whether it's having amputations, whether it's having cancer, whether, you know, it, it's, it's just having a bad day, you know, it, it's, and we all have those things, you know, we all have, we all have, we all have a bad day, right? And so it's it's being able to put that behind you and be able to move on and be able to move on in a positive manner and do and worry about the things that you can change and not worry about the things that you can't change. Yeah, I love that, bro. I love that. Like we mentioned, we complain. We have so many abundance and we don't see it. We don't have the gratitude and we keep on complaining. Like so many people like be just having it bear on your shoes like being who they are like comparing to like being a hospital bed like you able to do certain things you can be grateful for that like you you wouldn't been existed like when the doctor said like you're not gonna make it like same thing happened with my child uh we've been blessed with our child last year and he diagnosed with like a brain damage and he was in icu for six weeks but before that and when he actually diagnosed with the next 24 hours they told he's not gonna make it there is no chance of for him surviving i was like how long left he's like they're like maximum 24 hours if none of our medication is working then you probably have 24 hours to live and coming from there like where he is right now he's developing everything's fine just slightly delayed on certain things like he can't work on himself he's one and a half years old but other than that he's achieving all of them his milestone but we as a parent we never said why us we said we are such a blessed way to have him and we are such a blessed he's survived and he's with us like we're seeing like a positive side of it but a lot of people like with the family circle friends and they're like why god chose us for like the hardship i was like this is the best thing could happen to us it brings closer to us that's why we keep with us all the time we are giving his best life and the bonding and relationship actually connected the same way like you are saying like whatever happened with you, like uh, you're looking for like a positive aspect of it rather than the negative side of it. And you are focusing on what you can control rather than you can't control, which I love that. And a lot of people don't have to realize that they probably have everything in the best. They have money, cars, beautiful spouse, everything on point with great health, but still they feel empty. What would you give them advice on that? Well, you know, that's the thing is, you know, that's it's funny that you bring that up because my my father has always said, well, we would rather have Philip without hands and feet than no Philip. And so mm -hmm. th that's the thing is instead of being like, well, why did this happen to me? It's like, OK, you know what? He's still here and you still have the opportunity yeah. to love your child, you know, and so and you still have the opportunity to impact people and have a positive impact on other people. So, my, I, I mean, I based my entire life around Philippians 413, which says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so that's what, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned about the, um, about people that, you know, that have all this stuff, but they're still empty. And that's the thing is because money can't buy you happiness. 
you know, and, and some of the, and some people that you, that you would think that seem on the outside, like they have everything and everything's going great. They're some of the most, you know, empty and depressed people that you'll ever meet as well. If you could see what's truly happening behind, you know, behind their closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's really that, you know, we all try to, we all try to fill that emptiness and that void. And God is the only thing that, that, that can, that can fill that void, you know? And, and when I realized that, which was, it was a few years ago. I mean, I grew up in church and everything, right. And I, I knew all this stuff, but I, I was, I was too concerned with me and what I wanted to do. And I got to a point where I started wondering, I started thinking and probably part of, part of being my age, you know, as well as like, right, what's going to happen after we die and all this. And then it started occurring. And then I started thinking more and more about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure what's going to happen to me after I die. What? And I mean, I was getting into details and stuff, but I realized, you know what? I need to, I need to, I need to make this decision because it's, it's not something to be taken lightly and it's not something that I want to have to worry about. And it's something that, that is, it's going to fill that void, you know? And so I told him, you know, when I, when I prayed to invite Jesus Christ to be my Lord and savior, I, I mean, I basically said, I don't want to be king anymore. I want you to be king. I want you to make the decisions because obviously the decisions I've been making, no, they're the wrong ones. And I need somebody else to do this. That's going to know what they're doing. And so, uh, and that was a few years ago uh, is when I, I I made Jesus Christ, the Lord and the King of my life. Um, And so since then I've started my ministry, which is called 413 Productions, obviously the Philippians 413 part of it. Um, But 413 Productions is um is my ministry and basically I, I do the motivational speaking and I come to, I mean I'll, I'll come talk to any group to be honest with you I mean it, it I, I've talked to senior citizen groups I've talked to children everything in between um you know and it's because of of what he has done in my life what he has brought me through and the strength and determination that he gives me is is how I can face each and every day that's great brother thank you so much for sharing that so, Philip, we're coming to the end of this podcast, so it's been a great conversation with you. So, those who's listening, if anyone is interested to learn more about yourself or, like, you want to reach out, have a question, where's the best place to find you? You can go to linktree.com slash 413productions, and that'll and that's all the links for you to, you can connect with the podcast that my wife and I have, um, YouTube channel, all the social media and everything, um, and the website, and so... You can uh, you can you can find me there linktree.com slash four one three productions. That's a great brother. Thank you so much for that. And yes, it was a great conversation with you. And thank you so much for your time as well. I wish you best of luck with your personal life and a career. And also, you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You learned Philip's story. And those who are interested in learning more about Philip, go check out him on his linktree website. And yeah, until then, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Okay.